Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. So tonight we're going to continue our series called All In, and Jesus is calling us out of pride and into all-in humility. Now, if you're like me, humility is something that doesn't come naturally. It's something that uh, is a constant fight in my life to not be prideful um, of various things that I feel like maybe I'm good at or excel at um, or maybe look down upon uh, other people. You guys know how that is. Um, there's a battle within us every day that we, we get up and we have to put on our gloves and, and fight. Um, part of that, the, the challenge that we had this evening is just writing a, a letter of encouragement to somebody. Um, I want you guys, if you hadn't, if you didn't write that letter, um, to really think through that some more. Because um, there's something special about receiving a handwritten note from somebody, uh, especially when you're down in the dumps and you really need that encouragement. And there's something uh, humbling about that for you to be able to write that. Um, and so maybe it's somebody that you have beef with at school. Maybe it's somebody that you had a lot of drama with that you just need to reconcile. Maybe it's a family member that you want to just encourage that's been having a hard time. Uh, but I encourage you guys to continue that. And, and to continue uh, what, what we're in right now is the season of Lent. And so we have this challenge for you guys to add something into your week and to subtract something into your week. And so maybe you take this challenge a little bit further, uh, the one of writing a letter, and maybe every day this week you write a letter to somebody new. Um, and maybe you subtract um, something in your life that uh, causes you to be prideful. And so as we continue in the Lenten season, as we focus on Jesus uh, we're reminded of the verse that we read, that Kalisa read for us, that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing to the point of death on a cross. And so tonight, we're going to look a little bit further of that picture that Jesus represents. And we're going to hear from Matt Gilchrist. Uh, something else that we're going to do this evening um, that we get to be a part of as a community is to pray for our pe- your peers uh, and some people that are going to the Dominican Republic. I'm going to have them come up um, now. Um, 17 students and 12 adults are going to go to the Dominican Republic to serve. And something that I've been telling these guys as we've been training and talking through what does it mean to be on mission? What does it mean to live a life on mission? What does it mean to actually serve And I've said this, and it may shock some of you, that going to a third world country, uh, going overseas, is easy. That's easy to serve. It's easy to serve somebody for a week, and many of you have had that opportunity. Or it's easy to serve somebody for a moment, somebody that doesn't look like you or talk like you or act like you. um, And you can just swoop in, serve, and then you're out. Uh, But what's hard, and this is something that these guys are not up here to be lifted up or to be acknowledged as somebody that's righteous or um, somebody that has got it together. But what I've said is that's hard. What's hard is to serve the people around you, to serve your peers, uh, to serve the people in your schools, and to serve your families. 
And so that's a huge challenge for all of us. Um, but tonight, what we want to do is just acknowledge what God is doing in the Dominican Republic and what we, um, not just us that are going, but what we as a community get to do in partnering with God and making Jesus uh, Lord of all. Um, not making him Lord of all, but acknowledging his lordship um, and lifting him up and giving him all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Um, there's a couple elders that I want to introduce, and, and so I'm going to have Scott and Peter come up on stage. And uh, guys, we have some pretty incredible leadership and elders here at Christ Church. And uh, it's actually one of the reasons, probably the top reason why um, my wife and I decided to come and be a part of what Christ Church is doing is because of um, some really awesome men that are on their knees in prayer for you um, and for this community and for this church every day. And so just as it's natural for them to continually pray, I've asked them to pray uh, for us. And so I'm going to ask Scott to lead us in prayer. And uh, I want to ask you guys to, to stand and just to pray uh, for Go Ministries, the partner in the Dominican. Pray for our team. And, and pray for uh, when we come back that Jesus would get all the glory and all the honor. And that we together as a community can partner together in reconciling and reviving uh, our, our schools and our homes. All right, let's pray. I'm going to ask you to extend a hand all the way through this group, and we'll just kind of weave it on. Just stick it on somebody's shoulder that's involved in this group. Just weave it through here as we get ready to pray. Lord, we come to you this evening, and we're thankful for the willing hearts that have stepped forward and said, we want to go to the Dominican Republic and serve you in a way that we've never done before. So I ask you to go before them, Father, and first of all, bless the ministry that they'll be involved in at Go Ministries. I ask you to bless each person, Father, keep them healthy, keep them strong physically. Father, I ask you to teach each of these students and leaders in new ways. May they find you in a way through your word and through the experience of living in a third world, Father, for a week. What your kingdom is really all about how big a God you are. May you remind them throughout their hours of service, Father, that um, they are there to glorify you in all they say and do. Father, we look forward to the stories uh, that we'll hear. We look forward to the lives that will be changed, Father. And we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. talk a little bit about uh, what it means to move out of pride and into humility, uh, which is a difficult thing for us to discuss because humility isn't really something we can just latch on to. It's not something that uh, somebody just walks up and says, hi, my name is Matt and I'm humble. And I'm just like, oh, okay, good. And an expert on humility. And so it's a challenging topic. And so what I want to do is I want to start tonight and I want to end tonight uh, in the gospel of Mark, looking at a couple of guys who wrestle through something that's really similar to what we wrestle through. There are a couple of the disciples. They're ones we know well. Their names are James and John. 
And it starts in Mark uh, chapter 10 is where we're going to pick up this story. What's happening is Jesus says, uh, and if you're here on Sunday mornings and you've heard Mark Christian talk about it, we've been following through the gospel of Mark. And so Jesus has been demonstrating his power. And now he's going to turn his attention towards Jerusalem where he's going to go to die. And in fact, when we pick this up in verse 32 of chapter 10, it says this. They, Jesus and the disciples and others, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. And again, he took the twelve aside, and he told them what was going to happen to him. Verse 33 says, We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Now, I'm going to trust that this is a pretty intelligent audience, and so the statements Jesus just made are pretty clear, right? What's he about to go do? Die, right? This is, yes, he's headed to die. Like, he just, maybe it wasn't that simple. It's really complex. Here's what he says. He says, they're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to flog me. They're going to kill me. Three days later, I'm going to die. And if you go to the very next verse, verse 35, it says, then, right after that, after he's very clearly said, this is what's about to happen. Verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to him and say, teacher, they asked, we want, to, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Which, if we're honest, is really pretty much a classic response of how we approach the Lord, isn't it? Jesus, I got something I need, so the answer is going to be yes, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it, right? But you are, I just need you to say yes when we get done with this part, right? I'm going to come. Jesus has just said, here's what's happening. I'm headed to go die. I'm about to go get killed. I'm about to be humiliated, mocked, spit on, and raised three days later. I would think the natural response would be like, tell me a little more about that like resurrection thing. What? What are you, what's about to happen? And instead they approach him and say, Jesus, we got an answer. The answer is yes. We have a question. The answer is yes, but we want to go ahead and ask it. Jesus, playing along, says, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answer. Jesus said to them, you, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. James and John's struggle is really simply the same struggle we have where we often ask the question, how do I become great? Or what's in it for me to be a believer and a follower of Jesus? Because we're just naturally prideful people, the, the situation we find ourselves in is that we walk into a room and figure out, where do I rank in this room? Who's better than me? Who's worse than me? Maybe you compare it based on how much hair you have or don't have, your grades, your athletic accomplishments, your whatever it might be, what you're good at. You look at that, but we constantly rank ourselves or wrestle through who's the greatest, who's the worst, who's better at this, who's better at that. It's all of these questions that even obviously the 12 decided who are following Jesus are having. That at some point, James and John approach him to go, hey, I know there's 12 uh, total that are like following you, but we were thinking maybe us two, we could sit on your right and your left. What do you think? Like, I think we've kind of earned that, right? Like Peter, James, and John are the closest, but we all know Peter says stupid stuff, so it probably won't be him, right? It's gotta be like us. 
And they, I kind of envision, I embellish this a little bit, that James and John come and say, I'll sit on the right and he'll sit on the left. Or like, I'd totally be willing to sit on the left if he needs to sit on the right, right? Like, we just want to be really close to you in heaven. We think that'd be a great thing. And so we have this wrestling for us to figure out who we are, whether it's grades or scores or stats or rankings or whatever it is. Most of us know this, that we'll never be first. The biggest challenge for us is we just don't want to be the last. To come in last is humiliating. To come in last means we're the worst. In, in this economy that we live in, in our world, if we finish last, it means we're a loser. It means we're terrible. It means we're awful. It means we didn't finish first, which is the ultimate goal. That's who gets the, tri- the trophy. That's who gets the prize. That's who gets all the recognition. James and John wrestled with that same thing to say, Jesus, it's cool that whole death and resurrection thing, but we were really already excited about heaven and where we're going to sit when we get there, right? Like, I know that's going to be tough and all, but really, like, once that's over with, where do we sit? And so if we're going to look tonight at what it means to move from pride into humility, I think it's good for us to look at the example of Jesus. You've heard the passage read already uh, a couple of times. Uh, and referred to, but I want to look one more time at Philippians chapter 2. Um, I'm totally okay with reading this again and letting just the repetition of what is said about Jesus soak into us. Verse 3 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if there's two things that I want us to just look at two simple words that I'm gonna ask us to consider. I don't know that you wanna attack both of them. I think you can think of them separately and just pick which one of these two is the thing that I need to wrestle with most that I can learn from the example of Jesus of how I move from pride into humility. The first one is an enormous word, it's the word be. Here's the challenge with the word be. It's usually followed by the thing that we want to actually be, right? But B is actually its own word. It just gets skipped over a lot of times. B is all about presence. It's about being here. We want to take that word and I want to be something. I want to be funny. I want to be creative. I want to be artistic. I want to be athletic. I want to be popular. I want to be smart. I want to be tall. I want to be shorter. I want to be skinnier. I want to be stronger. Whatever. We want to be something. The example of Jesus says, no, I'm just be in the situation and the place that I've placed you. This may or may not be a challenge for you, but I'm going to guess that at your age, with most of your life probably ahead of you, there's all these things that you anticipate about what you want to do with your life. I know I'm here right now, but someday I want to be there. Right now, this is who I am, but someday I want to be this. And I look ahead, and there's this temptation for us to fail to realize this is where God's put us. If you're going to move from pride into humility, it means that you take this posture of being somewhere, which means you're not going to be as actively trying to figure out where you rank or what's in it for you or what the room thinks of what you're wearing or whether or not you're the most funniest, popularist, whatever it might be in the room. It means your presence, that you're aware, that you're looking out at other folks. Because what happens when you take that presence is you're aware of the needs, not of yourself, but you have the opportunity to see the needs of others. 
If you've been around the church at all and you've read the Gospels and you think about the example of Jesus, what you see is that he would be going someplace and stuff would happen and he would stop and he would be aware in that situation. He was never too busy to move on to the next thing. Even if he's walking along and somebody touches the hem of his cloak and he stops, he says, something happened. You never read in the Gospels Jesus going, Jesus wanted to go to this town, but he was in a really big hurry to go here, so he just skipped them. He was always present wherever he was. My guess is one of the things we need to work on if we're going to move from pride into humility is being presence in the place where God's put us. Because when we take that posture and when we're aware of where we are and we're concerned about where we are, we have the opportunity then to notice the things around us. And there's these opportunities then for us not to look at what's in the room that benefits us, but what we can do to bless those that we're in the room with. And it's a flip of that posture instead of looking and saying, what do I get from being here? It's what what can I give from being here? And I know I'm going to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, and I'm completely okay with that because I probably am old, and I'm somewhat of a fuddy-duddy, like a partial fuddy-duddy, a fuddy or a duddy, whichever half of that, I guess. But here's what I'm going to say, all right? I think it's really, really hard for you to be present, to be in a situation when there's anything in your hands or in front of your face that takes you away from being aware of what's around you. And I know I'm picking on a phone or an iPod or something like that, but here's the thing. When I'm doing this number and you're talking to me, I'm not really fully present. I don't care how good of a multitasker you are. I don't care how young you are and how you can do 27 things at one time. It doesn't matter. I think there's times that we're supposed to sit down and like look somebody in the face, right? And for some of us, you're like, uh, no, that's not going to happen. Like, I'll totally talk to you like this or with something. But, but to just be present in a situation and have a conversation with somebody. Here's why I know that this is true. Because what's going to happen for these friends of ours that are headed to the DR is their phones probably aren't going to work unless their families really love them and get them some fancy package and they can whatever, right? They're going to have to leave their phones behind, though. And what are they going to do? They're going to do these crazy jacked up things like play with kids. Yeah. <laughs> Like, talk to people. Whoa. Like, build something. Like, it's revolutionary, right? With both their hands at the same time. Like, they can totally do that because they don't have a phone. And then they'll say, man, that was so awesome. And guess what? I didn't miss it all that much. Yeah, I want to talk to friends. And there's nothing inherently evil about those things. But I think part of us moving from pride into humility is to be present in the situation where we are. It's the example of Jesus. It's why one of his names is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That he was here, that he came to earth. What makes us show up on a Wednesday night and love Jesus is the fact that he loved us enough to clothe himself in humanity and be present in our lives. The second, work is, the second word is this. It's this word humble. My favorite definition of humble or humility is this, not taking yourself too seriously. Right? Life isn't about us. But sometimes, man, whatever's happening in my life such a big deal and I'm so worried about it. I had a young research assistant do a little look for me on uh, humility, and he found this terrific quote from the not-so-wise theologian Lil Wayne, okay? Because everybody quotes Lil Wayne here, right? And if you don't know who he is, bless you. That's a good thing. And if you do, shame on you. Okay, here's what Lil Wayne said. This is his quote on humility. I am very, I I probably won't say it like him, but we're cool with that, right? Okay, I am very humble. And I am very gracious and very grateful for everything that happens to me and about me and around me. 
so the first uh, rule of humility is you can't call yourself humble, right? You don't get to walk up and, dem- and announce yourself, I am Matt, and I am the most humble person in the room. does not work that way. Humility means we don't take ourselves too seriously, but it does mean a few other things, and this is where this, this passage in Philippians, I think, is helpful for us to say that the way hum- of humility is the way of service. The way of humility is the way of service. It means that you lower yourself. It means this example of what Jesus is telling the disciples right before James and John come and ask where they get to sit is he says, I'm going to die. I'm going to go be humiliated. So I'm God. Philippians 2 says he's fully God, fully capable of doing all sorts of things. And he says, no, I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to go. I'm going to be mocked, spit upon, beaten, and killed for you. And so it's taking a lower position. It might not mean you have to die, but it means that you have to give up some things that you think are important so that the things that Jesus thinks are important can become number one. It means that you care for others. Uh, and it might mean that you care for others and you don't expect anything back. And perhaps most difficult, it means that sometimes you'll do things for others and nobody will notice. And you'll do them and be okay with that. And maybe this is just me, but that for me is one of the biggest struggles. So every once in a while, uh, I find myself at home by myself and my wife and my kids are gone. Uh, and once every like 25 to 50 years, I'll be like, hey, I should do something around the house and be helpful and be like kind to my wife, right? So maybe if I'm really in overachiever mood, mode, I will uh, wash the dishes. I'll start a, no- a load of laundry. Notice I did not say finish. I just said start. Like once the washer turns off, I forget about it. But, I mean, I started it, right? So I'll do some dishes, I'll start some laundry, and if I can find the vacuum, I'll vacuum the floors, right? My wife will come back from doing tons of things, and she'll walk in the door, and I'll just, like, meet her at the door. I'll be like, hey, see you notice anything around the house? Right? And she'll start to walk in and be like, oh, let me help you with the groceries. Do you see that we can put them on the counters because they're clean? Because I, I did the dishes, right? <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay, that's good, honey. Like, she kind of tolerates me like a small child. Like, it's good for you. I'm so proud of you. Did you feed yourself too? You know? So, and, and so we'll get that done, and I'll walk down the hallway. I'll be like, boy, the laundry room sure is empty because did some laundry, didn't I? She's like, yeah, that's great. Did you put it in the dryer? No. I'll do that right now. And we'll get done, and we'll go back. And I'll say, oh, man, let's go sit in the, lawn, in the living room and... Looks like the carpet's been vacuumed. I wonder who did that. I'm just such a servant to you. And usually she'll kind of turn to me like, what do you want, like a hug or like a high five or what is it? But here's the thing is that when we do things for others or we serve, often the desire for us is still, what do I get out of it? Like I'll do this for you, but ultimately it's because I still want recognition. I still want a pat on the back. I still want somebody to recognize that and go, look at how good they are that they did that thing. Jesus says, man, you're going to serve people not so that you get recognition, but so that if they happen to notice anything, ultimately it points back to me, to Jesus, not to Matt. So that when we as believers serve other people, if it's simple, something as simple as writing an encouragement note, we don't do that so they go, man, that guy, that gal sure is nice. They go, what on earth would make somebody take the time to write me an encouragement note? And that's an opportunity for us then to tell others about Jesus. 
And so what does all this mean ultimately? I want to leave us with two, two things that I think this means for us as we move from pride into humility. Number one is this, realize that the call to go all in means that Jesus is number one. Always has been, always will be number one. Means we're not. Means that his example and what he did for us makes him number one always and forever. If you think about the verse, uh, the two verses that we've been reciting all the semesters, we talk about all in, and I'll give you a, a little heads up at the end tonight, we're going to do this again where they have us all quote this verse and they keep taking more and more words out. And at first you guys sound super crisp and then they take like a bunch of words out and you're like, and so the love has impels us, gets a little bit muddy, right? We're going to do that again tonight. They're going to pull a bunch of words out. But what that verse is, what those verses are saying, I want to read again in the context of moving out of pride into humility. It says this, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he, Jesus, died for all. Why? So that those who live, that's us, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. What does it mean to be all in with Jesus and to move from pride to humility? It means that he's number one and that we're not. And it means something second. It means a second thing as well. It means this, that we need to realize the call to go all in to serve is for everybody. The call to go all in to serve is for everybody. It's not optional. It's not just for the elite. It's not for the special. It's for every single person. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he doesn't say, just come and receive a bunch of benefits. It's a requirement. This might not make me terribly popular tonight, but the reality is this. If we say we're going to follow Jesus, it means we will serve other people. It's the example he set, and it's the demand, really, that he puts on us that we don't just sit and absorb. We don't just say, I want the forgiveness, and I want the hope, and I want the joy, but I do not want the humility. I do not want to serve. I do not want to have to be put in a situation where I have to take a lower posture than other people. There is no option for that. And it means that this call to serve that is for everybody isn't really about trips. It's really about a lifestyle. The challenge for our friends that are going to the DR, the challenge for me when I go to the DR with them is that anybody can be pretty incredible. Adam said this, anybody can do pretty incredible things for a couple of weeks. What's really impressive is when we actually continue to do those things with the lifestyle. And so service isn't a thing we do for a few days and then check it off and move on to the next achievement in our Christianity. It is a lifestyle thing that we're called to do day in and day out. Let me end it this way. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting in my kitchen and I have a, we have a second grade daughter who's doing fluency, her fluency reading. Did you guys have to do fluency stuff? Nobody did. Okay. You did. Good. Sorry. I totally ignored you. I apologize. That was horrible of me. She has to do fluency reading. So she was reading it. And this is a moment where your child's supposed to read and you as the parent are supposed to listen, right? And I sometimes don't listen all that well. And so she's reading and she gets to the end of the story. And I said, wait, 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 read that last line again. She reads it. I said, read that last line again. She reads it. I said, read the whole story again. She's like, dad, like, no, 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 it's really good. You need to listen to this. And so I said, she got done with it, and I said, give that to me. I need to use that. So I took her fluency reading from her. It's second grade level, so I'm going to completely trust that you guys can comprehend this. Fair? You don't sound very confident. You can do it, okay? It's called the general and the corporal, all right? Here we go. 
And it's really nerve-wracking to read in front of people. It, my fluency isn't all that good sometimes. Here we go. It says, you probably know about our first president, George Washington. Many people think of him as one of the greatest men in American history. One winter day, while his army was building fences and cabins to make a camp in the winter, General Washington walked around to see how things were going. He walked past a man giving orders to the other men, and the man giving the orders, the man giving the orders was a corporal, the lowest ranking officer in an army. General Washington noticed that the men were struggling to lift a heavy log. The corporal shouted at the men to try harder to lift the log, but he never offered to help. Finally, General Washington, who was very tall and strong, I guess those are important details in the story, stepped in to help the men. Soon they lifted the log in place. He looked at the corporal and he asked, why aren't you helping your men with this heavy lifting? Why, said the man, I am a corporal. I am an important man. Oh, indeed, said Washington. Well, I am the general. And the next time you have a log that is too heavy for your men to lift, send for me. Then he unbuttoned his coat and showed the uniform that he was wearing. The little corporal felt terrible when he saw that it was the great General George Washington who had helped with the work. He realized something important then. Truly great men are never too great to help others. Truly great men are never too great to help others. So let's go back to Luke chapter 10. And let's go back to, the, to Mark chapter 10, I'm sorry, and to the end of this story. And so Jesus has said to the disciples, I'm headed to die. And they've said, hey, well, we got this big idea. Once you get there, are we going to sit on the right or the left? What's that going to look like? All this. They've wrestled through this. Jesus has this interface with them. And then in verse 41, it says this. When the other 10 disciples heard about this request, they were angry with James and John. But Jesus stopped them. He said this. You know that among the nations of the world, the great ones lord it over the little people and act like tyrants. But this is not the way it will be among you. Whoever would be great among you must serve and minister. Whoever wants to be great among you must be slave of all. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to be a servant, to offer his life as a ransom for others. So when we talk about moving from pride into humility and wrestling through these words of be and humble and remembering that if we're going to be all in with Jesus, it means he's number one. What it ultimately means is that every single one of us has to make that journey from pride to humility. The most amazing vehicle for that is to serve other people. So here's what I want to do. Just a few minutes ago, we had the, the team that's going to the DR stand here and we prayed for them, which I think is an incredible thing to do. But here's what I want to do for all of us in this room is I want to commission us right now. Because I don't know what you're going to do for your spring break, but it doesn't matter whether you go to the DR, if you stay here, you go someplace else. You have an opportunity to take this journey from pride to humility to serve other people. You have the opportunity as soon as you walk outside those doors to make just as much of an impact for the kingdom as anybody who would jump on a plane and fly some, to some other country and interact with another culture. So what I want to do is pray for us that we'd be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we'd get over our own pride and we would move towards this place of humility that can only happen when we serve other people. So let's pray. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. I thank you that you came, that you loved us, that you 
that you took on flesh for us, that you humbled yourself, that you were obedient even to death, death on a cross, so that we had hope in a future. And Jesus, we recognize in this moment that we don't get to just simply acknowledge or admire that decision, but we realize there's a response that needs to come for us that we too will then take that posture to lower ourselves, to look at others, to move from pride and from what's in it for us into a position where we look at others and we look at how we can do something to serve them. And so I pray for us, for my brothers and sisters in this room, that you would give us opportunities, that you would give us eyes that see, that you would give us willing hearts that would wanna serve other people. And Jesus, we confess right now that pride is a big deal for us that we care what people think about us. Help us to get over that. Help us to remember your example that even though you had the ability to remind people you were God, you were willing to be beaten and mocked and flogged and killed on our behalf. Jesus, may our attitude and our actions be a response and a reflection of your service as we serve other people. Thanks that you've called us to be your hands and feet and your ambassadors. May we do that with humility. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.